Jamal Crawford of the LA Clippers. You're now tuning in to Cruise Control, hosted by my man, Randy Cruz. Holla. And we're live here on the Cruise Control Podcast, Wednesday, September 14th, 2016, here in New York City. I am your host, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. You can download and subscribe to the podcast, again, on iTunes and SoundCloud.com. Got two guests on the podcast today talking NBA basketball, Mr. Alex Kennedy, managing editor for BasketballInsiders.com, and Jamie Burke, Contributor to RedsArmy.com. Let's get right to it. Mr. Alex Kennedy. What's up, my man? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. Can't complain. Summer is, 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 is almost over, man. NBA season is is uh, upon us. I think about a month and a half to go. So, um, Mr. Alex Kennedy, Managing Editor for BasketballInsiders.com. You can follow him on Twitter at AlexKennedyNBA. Uh, so, Alex, right out the gate, man, what are some storylines you're, you're most looking forward to this NBA season? Well, I think everyone's excited to see what the Warriors look like. Uh, obviously, anytime you add a uh, player like Kevin Durant to a team that already won 73 games uh, and made it to the NBA Finals, everyone's kind of curious to see how that team comes together. Uh, I'm curious to see how it works there. Um, I'm curious to see who can challenge them. I think right now everyone kind of assumes that the Warriors are the team that's going to win a championship this year. Uh, I think everyone kind of assumed that last year. I think Cleveland surprised a lot of people. But, you know, who are going to be the real challengers for Golden State? You know, it seems like San Antonio and uh, Cleveland are the two that get mentioned the most. But, you know, can there be uh, a number of teams that are actually contenders and legitimate contenders this year? Um, and then I'm, I'm always excited about, you know, the, the players that have changed teams. I'm excited to see Al Horford in Boston. Uh, curious to see some of the guys that have moved and, uh, and switched teams. And uh, I'm always you know, curious to see the incoming rookie class, too. I have a lot of, a lot of fun uh, covering these players uh, who are rookies and, you know, watching their career start. So I'm excited to see, you know, guys like Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram and Chris Dunn and Buddy Heald. You know, I want to see how these guys play. All right, you just mentioned a whole lot. <laughs> so, yeah, let me, yeah, let me, sorry about that. That's all good, man. Let me rewind to the Warriors. Uh, We've we seen, you know, back in the days when the Celtics had their big three, Miami's big three and everything, and, and it, it kind of took a, uh, a while for these big-time superstars to get acclimated with, with each other. But now with Golden State, it, there's four, with Curry Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, and you're kind of um, – you know, basketball estimation, do you think that these guys uh, and the whole team clicks right away, or do you feel like it's going to take a couple games or uh, a, a month or two before everybody starts to gel? It's going to take time. There's always an adjustment period. I think we've seen that with even in recent years, whenever some of these teams have come together and formed, you know, super teams. Miami didn't gel right away when they had LeBron, Wade, and Bosch. Uh, Boston didn't gel right away when they had Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. Uh, it does take time with these teams because, you know, these are all superstar players that are used to having the ball in their hands, taking a lot of shots. It should be a little bit easier just because you, you do have three players that were that have been together for, throughout their entire career in Curry, Thompson, and Green. You know, really, they're having to adjust uh, to to Rant and then the new supporting cast members coming in. But they do have three players that have been there that were all stars and have already played together. So I think that does make it a little bit easier. I think the other thing that makes it easier is that they have guys that are so versatile and guys that are so unselfish. 
Um, it's not like, uh, you know, you guys are having to come in and change their game a whole lot. You know, Durant, yeah, he'll have to get used to having the ball in his hands a little bit less, and so will the other guys. But in terms of how they play, it's not like guys are changing positions or being asked to do things that are completely new to them. You know, in Miami, Chris Bosh, for example, had to, you know, become a stretch four, and he stopped playing the, uh, then he stopped playing power forward altogether and started playing center. So you had guys that were being asked to do completely different things. Here, I think these guys are all versatile. They can all score inside and out. They can all play both ends of the floor, and they're all unselfish. Uh, I think that really helps things, too. It's not like Durant cares a whole lot about who's the number one guy or who's being perceived as the face of the franchise. Um, all of these guys just want to win, and I think it'll take some time, but I think that this team can definitely make it work because they do have uh, you know, versatility. They can play both ends of the floor, and they, they are unselfish. So it'll take time, but I think they'll be okay. How many games do you think they'll win this year? I'm not going to say 73. Honestly, I don't think they're going to try to go after that 73 record again. I think that it makes yeah. more sense to prepare for the postseason and make sure that guys are healthy. Right. And uh, especially when you've been to two straight finals. I think people you know, forget that. When you've been to two straight finals or a guy like LeBron James, for example, who's been to even more finals than that, that takes a toll on players. Uh, and then you throw in you know, Team USA games and things like that, which we saw, we saw uh, you know, Durant and Thompson and Green in. You know, these guys aren't going to want to play that many games and play a huge minutes in the games that they are playing in. It makes more sense when you have a team like this that is you know, far and away the best team in the Western Conference to prepare for the postseason. So I would say they win, you know, 65-plus games. You know, I think that is uh, – I think they win 60 to 65, somewhere around there. But I don't see Steve Kerr pushing it and putting his foot on the gas like they did last year and going for that record. And honestly, that could take some pressure off the team, too. I think by the end of the year, this 73-win thing kind of became a circus. And, you know, every game was being covered, and people were wondering if they were going for the record, and it kind of overshadowed things a little bit. So it may be nice a little bit to win, you know, 65, 66, 67 games, something like that, and not have to, uh, you know, deal with all the drama and circus that comes with 73 and approaching that record. Who's going to to lead the Warriors in scoring, Stephen Curry or Kevin Durant? I'll say Steph Curry. I think, uh, you know, he had such a crazy season last year, and, you know, I he, what he can do shooting the ball is just ridiculous. We've all seen that. Now you add a guy like Kevin Durant next to him, it's going to make it so much harder for defenses to key in on him and shut him down. Um, it could be Durant, but I see this first year, I think Durant's going to want to um, you know, give Curry the ball and put the ball in Curry's hands. I think he'll defer a bit. Uh, it's always hard when you're coming to a new situation, and this team's already been together. They've had so much success say, okay, now let's change everything, and now I'm the new focal point, and I'm the new number one scorer. I think it's easier for Durant to come in and kind of be that number two guy and ease his way in there a little bit. And then eventually, maybe he will take on, you know, number one scoring uh, responsibilities. That's kind of what happened with LeBron in Miami. Initially, you know, he was kind of deferring to Dwayne Wade, and those guys didn't want to step on their toes a bit. And then eventually, Wade said, okay, look, you know, you can take over, and you need to be the number one guy, otherwise this is going to work. And that's really when they kind of turn the corner. Maybe that happens eventually in Golden State, but I think uh, we're going to see Curry still be the number one scorer there. Um, you know, after what he did last year, I don't see him slowing down. I think yeah, he'll just be even scarier this upcoming year. Now, you know, many have the Warriors winning the Western Conference again, but uh, other teams did make improvements with Portland. Uh, I, I'm trying to find out if, if the Clippers did something. Uh, Dwight Howard went from Houston to to Atlanta. Uh, Tim Duncan retired from the Spurs. So, um, 
you know, OKC got got Oladipo, but they, they traded Ibaka. So try to try to help me find that team that can really compete with the Warriors and and not saying knock them off, but give them their, their toughest challenge this season. Yeah, well, honestly, you know, you kind of went through those teams and some of their issues. I, I do think that the two teams that, that come to mind are San Antonio, just because even though they lost Duncan, you still have, you know, very talented pieces there with Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge uh, and, and that veteran cast there. Obviously, Greg Popovich is an amazing coach. You know, this is a team that won 67 games last year, so they're obviously a great team. They're going to have to adjust to some things, but I, I'm curious to see if San Antonio can give them a, a challenge, a, a serious challenge especially come playoff time. You know, we didn't get to see that this past year, but I would love to see San Antonio Golden State. Um, you know, the Spurs, I, I think, it, you know, they should be even better this year with Aldridge being more comfortable. Um, losing Duncan is huge, though. That, that's going to really hurt them. You know, the thingy Pau Gasol and those guys really step up and uh, fill that void there. I think of the second team, I think after the Clippers, um, if they're healthy, you know, on paper, I think they're the second uh, or third best team in the Western Conference with, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and that supporting cast. Um, you know, with the Thunder losing Kevin Durant, uh, Portland still being, you know, pretty young, uh, and then question marks kind of surrounding the other teams in the conference, that's where, you know, the Clippers can really step up and um, potentially, you know, be that team that has the continuity and chemistry to challenge a team like Golden State. But, um, you know, the question is, can they do that? Are they good enough? Are they talented enough to, you know, be able to challenge a Golden State or San Antonio? I think that's the big question. Um, the big thing, though, is, you know, those other teams that are in the conference that have been talked about as perennial contenders with the Thunder coming apart and, you know, Portland now having young players and Dallas still being, you know, uh, a piece or two away, Houston having issues. This is kind of an opportunity for Los Angeles to step up and, uh, you know, take one of those top three seeds. Now, as a fan, uh, how difficult is it for you going to be uh, not be not being able to watch Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant play in the NBA no more? You know, those guys were terrific players. They were terrific interviews, too. You know, as a reporter, it makes my job harder, too. Um, I had the opportunity to interview both those guys one-on-one. Uh, actually, my, they were some of my first one-on-one interviews when I was a lot younger. Nice. Um, you know, I interviewed Duncan in Orlando, and uh, Kobe Bryant interviewed him at a charity event uh, one-on-one and talked about, you know, his work in the community and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I have, I've had great experience with them as a reporter. And as a fan, it's tough. You know, you... I'm someone that is obviously younger, um, so I grew up watching, um, you know, these guys. Obviously, you know, grew up watching Michael Jordan and those guys, too. But when I was in love with basketball and falling in love with basketball, you know, Kobe, Kobe was just getting started and really, you know, in his prime. Um, so, you know, the 81-point game and, you know, those crazy playoff series and everything Duncan was able to do throughout his career, it is unfortunate when you see guys like that, you know, walk away from the game, Um yeah, and it sucks too. Whenever Kobe leaves on a sixty-point game, it kind of gives us all, you know, a taste of what he can do, and shows mm. us again why we fell in love with Kobe in the first place. Now having him walk away and realizing you're never going to see him on an NBA court again, it is pretty rough. But uh, you know, those guys are going to do great things. They're both extremely smart. They both handle their money really well. I think those guys are going to have a lot of success uh, in their lives, lives after basketball. Now, I take it to the Eastern Conference, where a lot of people are saying the Cavaliers are the, the, the front runners as they should be. They are the, the defending champions. So 
we might be on a collision course to see Warriors Cavs three, but a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference, may, you know, made some vast improvements as well. With with the Celtics, as you mentioned, Al Horford going to to Boston, uh, Dwight Howard going to Atlanta, D Wade going to Chicago from Miami, Miami losing some pieces, New York getting Noah, uh, uh, Rose, Courtney Lee, Brandon Jennings. Um, I'm not too sure what Toronto really did, um, the Wizards uh, as well. So um, who's the biggest threat to the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference? I would say the Boston Celtics. I like the mm-hmm. Celtics team a lot. Um, you know, Isaiah Thomas has emerged as a star. Horford there really gives them the premier or the interior score they've been missing uh, alongside their premier scores. I think he's really going to help them and be that uh, you know all-star that they can kind of build around. Uh, and he's a two-way player. He's going to help them on both ends of the floor. Um, I think Brad Stevens deserves a ton of credit for the job he's done in Boston. He's gotten these guys playing excellent basketball on both ends of the floor. And uh, this team is a close-knit group. Uh, and, and they're still young, too. That's why I think they can improve and be, you know, the second seed, the second seed or third seed in the East this year. Um, you know, Toronto could be the second seed. It's possible. They won 56 games last year, and mm-hmm. they're bringing back a lot of the same pieces. Um, but uh, I, I just think this Boston team has a higher ceiling because they are younger. Uh, they do have uh, some more potential, I think, than Toronto. Um, at some point, I think Toronto, we're going to see that, you know, they're a good regular season team, but I'm not sure they can contend as currently constructed. Whereas I think this Boston team, now with Horford there, I think they can be the second uh, scariest team in the Eastern Conference. You know, if anyone can challenge Cleveland, I think it's Boston. Um, it's still going to be tough for them, no question. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think they're a team that has the, re- the best shot at knocking off uh, the Cavs. Uh, outside of that, you know, I think there's a pretty big drop-off after those two teams uh, in Toronto. Then what about Indiana? I know they they added Jeff Teague, Al Jefferson, Thaddeus Young to go along with Paul George. What what do you what's your take on the Pacers? Well, I kind of look at Indiana, New York, and Chicago as being somewhat in the same boat, and mm-hmm. I mean I, I say that because they've made so many changes that it's really hard for me to see you know how these teams are going to play this upcoming year uh, until we you know get a, a glimpse of them on the court together. Uh, you look at Indiana, they've made so many moves, they've been so active. Um, they could be very, very good uh, with Jeff Teague coming in, Paul George obviously playing some of the best basketball of his career. Um, you know, they, they added a number of players. Uh, they could be very scary. You mentioned New York, all the moves they made. Chicago bringing in Wade and Rondo. You know, these teams went in a very different direction. Uh, so, and, and not just on the floor either. You know, we saw that Indiana, you know, has a new head coach. Uh, New York has a new head coach. Anytime you're changing over a system and personnel and making that many big changes, it's really hard to predict, you know, how a team's going to play. So sometimes that leads to them taking a huge step forward and climbing up the standings significantly. Sometimes that leads to, uh, you know, the team bottoming out and having a lot of issues. You don't really know until you see them play. So, you know, when you mentioned adjustment period and gelling and those things, like we talked about with the Warriors, I want to see that from Indiana, New York, and Chicago, just because there have been so many changes uh, with those teams. And expectations are so high with those teams. Uh, but it can really go either way uh, with with all those spots. Please tell me something positive about my Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> they could be very good, honestly. They really could. When you look at this team, you know, Derrick Rose has shown that uh, he can be a, a very talented point guard at the NBA. Even if he doesn't get back to that MVP level, uh, you know, if he plays like he did last year, mm-hmm. then he's better than anything the Knicks have had at point guard in a long time. Um, you know, he was explosive last year. He got to the basket. Uh, he stayed healthy relatively, and that is huge. Um, and then I think if Joe Kim Noah is motivated, you're going to see a completely different player than the one we saw the last two years. 
in uh, in Chicago whenever they were having a lot of drama behind the scenes and he wasn't healthy. Um, I think he's determined to show that he's still a player uh, that can make a huge impact on the defensive end. Uh, you know, it wasn't long ago that he was defensive player of the year and getting, you know, MVP votes. You know, he was the last player other than LeBron James in the Eastern Conference to get a top five, to finish top five in the MVP race. Uh, people forget that and how good he was very recently. Um, Brandon Jennings, I think, is going to be a great fit there. Uh, I'm obviously based in Orlando, so I saw him for uh, after the trade to Orlando this past year. And, you know, he's coming back from that uh, Achilles injury, but he's a starting caliber point guard, too. I think he's great insurance behind Derrick Rose. Uh, he's shown throughout his career that he can score the ball very well, and um, he's very mature, too. When I covered him in Orlando, I really realized that. He's very mature, um, very good guy to have in the locker room. Uh, he was great around the young players in Orlando and uh, just very down-to-earth and very self-aware. And uh, I think that wasn't necessarily always the case, but I think he's at a point in his career now where he has kind of uh, matured and become uh, wise beyond his years. So that's a good thing to have in the locker room. And then Courtney Lee, I think he's a great glue guy, great guy to have on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, he, he's a 3 and D guy, and that's what his next team needed. So the pieces are there. You know, then you talk about what can Porzingis do in terms of uh, his second year and taking his game to the next level. Um, how is Carmelo going to play alongside these talented veterans? Carmelo's best, best basketball has always come whenever he has, you know, strong veterans around him. His best season was whenever they had, you know, Tyson Chandler and uh, Chauncey Billups and, you know, a number of older guys around him. So I think uh, I think this team could be very good. You know, injuries are the big question, though. Can they stay healthy? I think that's the big, that's the big thing here. We'll see. I recall me and you last year around this time, and the one question I gave to you was like, um, any teams that made the playoffs that year that are in danger of making it back to, uh, you know, that coming season. And one team we mentioned last year was Portland when they lost four starters and all they had left was Damian Lillard. Fast forward, Portland made the playoffs th- uh, this past season. Uh, I mean, maybe a surprise to many. This year now, what are some teams that you feel like that made the playoffs last year but could potentially not make it this year? Well, I think some of the teams that, uh, you know, are making big changes, you know, that anytime there's a team that has a lot of changes, you worry about them possibly missing the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Portland, obviously, they came up because they lost four starters, and they surprised everyone last year by, you know, having C.J. McCollum step up and, you know, making the moves they made. Uh, and Terry Stott did a phenomenal job with that group. Um, whenever you lose four starters, that presents a lot of opportunities for guys. And now, you know, I look at a team like Houston that lost Dwight Howard, and that completely – made a lot of changes this summer, you know, bringing in Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson and bringing in Mike D'Antoni, you know, that's a completely different unit. Last year they were the eighth seed in the uh, Western Conference. The year before they made the conference finals. Um, I'm not sure if they make the playoffs this year. You have a great Utah team that's up and coming. Um, you have a lot of very good teams in the West. A team like Houston that's making big changes, you know, they're going to have to play really well to stay in the playoffs. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, it's really interesting. Uh, there's going to be you know, 10 to 11, 12 teams fighting for eight spots in the East this year. Um, you know, I, I could see a team like Charlotte uh, or Detroit potentially falling out of the playoff picture. Um, and, and uh, you know, especially if a team like New York or Chicago or Washington really steps up and plays better, if Milwaukee plays better. You know, there are just so many good teams in the East that I could see, you know, those uh, that, that playoff race really coming down to the end of the season, uh, you know, the final game of the season, something like that, where you have a number of teams fighting for that final spot. I think that'd be fun, um, especially in the year where, you know, we're talking about there only being, you know, a few legitimate contenders. I think it would be fun to see, you know, a number of teams fight for the final playoff spots in both conferences. 
Now, what about the, what about Miami? No D Wade, no Joe Johnson. I, I think they probably lost somebody else. Does my does Miami get back in it? I think they can. Um, you know, I was going to name Miami. I was looking at them and kind of like uh, on the fence about them, but mm-hmm. I honestly don't. I don't think they're going to have that big of a step backward. You know, I think that, um, especially because, you know, there have been reports lately that Chris Bosh is going to be able to come back and potentially play. If that happens, I think they're going to be okay. Um, you know, I think Dwayne Wade, it's a huge loss for them. There's no question about it. Um, and they won't be a top team in the Eastern Conference like they were last year. But I think this year we're going to see Hassan Whiteside really step into his own. And um, now that he has the big contract and there's no questions about free agency or the future, you know, he's going to be the guy in Miami playing big minutes. And I think uh, everyone's kind of excited to see them unleash Whiteside and what he can do on both ends of the floor. Um, I think we could see Justice Winslow, uh, you know, Josh Richardson, Tyler Johnson, Deion Waiters. You know, these young guys, they're looking to uh, prove themselves and, and, you know, show what they can do with that expanded role. And I'm interested to see what they can do there. And I think, you know, Goran Dragic and Chris Bosh, you know, coming back, those are veterans that, are very talented. So I don't think they fall out of the playoff picture. You know, I was looking at them, and I almost said them whenever I was talking about teams that have lost players. But, um, you know, I think they're still going to be a playoff team, but I think it's going to be closer to seventh or eighth seed versus, you know, being out of the playoff picture. But they're a team that has to do well. You know, they're probably going to be one of those teams fighting for the final spot in the East, and uh, they have to do well and um, certainly stay healthy. Now, if you have to pick one or two from the East and the West, what are your sleeper teams that can – you know, compete all the way down the stretch to try to get that seventh, eighth, uh, eighth playoff spot. Well, you know, I think uh, I think Charlotte is interesting. Um, you know, I look at the Charlotte team and they have made changes, uh, but I do think that you know they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot. And you know, they do still have a lot of talent there. You know, with Kemba Walker and Nick Batum, and you know the, the core they have there. Um, and I think uh, I think Atlanta is interesting. Um, you know, that may be really low for Atlanta. Yeah, I, I, some people are having them a lot higher. But I think with Dennis Schroeder coming in, there's going to be some, you know, growing pains initially uh, with him taking over as starting point guard for the first time in his career. With Dwight Howard stepping in there and, you know, them losing Al Horford, that's an adjustment. So I, I think it will be an adjustment period. But they have a lot of talent. Um, the other team is Washington. I think Washington could be very intriguing this year. Um, there's been rumors about, you know, issues between John Wall and Bradley Beal, but I don't really buy into that a whole lot. I think that, um, you know, that team is very talented. I think Scott Brooks is going to come in and instill a winning culture there. So I'm curious to see what he can do. Um, so those are some teams I have in the Eastern Conference as sleepers. In the Western Conference, uh, Utah comes to mind. I love that young core they have there. And then they have really, they had a really, they a quiet offseason, but a very strong offseason. Uh, bringing in George Hill, Boris Diaw. Um, Joe Johnson. Uh, I like that team an awful lot. You get Dante Exum back. Uh, I think they're going to be very good defensively. Um, and then I think the other sleeper in the uh, Western Conference could be Phoenix. Um, I don't see them making the playoffs this year. I think they're probably going to finish ninth or 10th, but I expect them to really improve on last year's 23 wins. Uh, I think Earl Watson is going to do a very good job in Phoenix, and they have a ton of young players that are very intriguing. I think they're going to make that next step this year. You know, Phoenix and Minnesota are two teams I think are going to win a lot more games this year and right. uh, be in the, the fight for the eighth seed, but maybe not necessarily get it. But we're going to be talking about those teams as being, you know, two teams that made a lot of progress this season. Last one I got for you before I let you go, Alex. Uh, obviously, uh, KP and, and and Big Cat are, are, are entering year number two, but also we have um, Ben Simmons, uh, Brandon Ingram, Buddy Heald all coming into the league now. Um 
what do you see from KP and Cat in year two, and what are your expectations for some of the rookies coming in? Well, I think Towns is going to have a monster year. Um, I'm really excited to see what uh, you know Coach Thibodeau does with uh, with Towns. I think uh, that's going to be really fun to watch his development. And uh, in Minnesota, you know, he was phenomenal last year. Efficient, he felt the stat sheet. You know, this year I, I think he'll only be better because you know he continued to work on his body and. Now he has some experience under his belt. Has played against a lot of centers and big men that are going to be guarding him. So I'm really, I'm really liking Towns this year. Porzingis, I think statistically he may take a step back a bit because they are, do have so many weapons in New York, and the ball is not going to be in his hands as much. Um, but that may be a good thing. You know, this is a team that you know won 32 games last year, and the reason they have to maybe take the ball out of Porzingis' hands a little bit is because they do have guys like Derrick Rose and Joe Kim Noah, Courtney Lee, Brian Jennings. You know, they have a number of veterans now that. Uh, should have had the ball in their hands even more last year, uh, you know, had they been there. Uh, I think Porzingis has asked to do more than maybe they wanted in year one. So I think he'll still put up, you know, really good numbers. He'll still have electrifying plays, and, you know, he'll be a fan favorite. But I think statistically maybe a little bit, you know, he takes a step back or doesn't grow as much as people want to see, maybe just because they're going to have other players there and other uh, you know, options on offense. Uh, in terms of this rookie class, I'm really excited to see Ben Simmons. I think he's very scary when he has offensive weapons around him. And you look at Philadelphia, you know, if Embiid can be healthy, if Okafor can uh, take a step in his second year, if Noel can, you know, continue to develop on that end, then I'm curious to see what, it's, what a, a guy like Ben Simmons can do as a facilitator. Uh, we saw what he did in summer league playing with, you know, very average players. Uh, he still had a ton of exciting plays and really cool highlights. So I'm, I'm excited to see him. Um, I'm excited to see uh, Chris Dunn. I think he's probably the guy I, I look yeah. at. Chris Dunn and Buddy Hill are two guys that I think are the most NBA-ready in this class. Uh, there's a lot of guys in this class that are going to take some time to develop, but then, you know, a few years from now could be very scary. But I look at uh, I look at Heald. I think he's a very efficient scorer, very good three point shooter. I'm excited to see what he does in New Orleans. Maybe as the number two option or number three option uh, behind Anthony Davis. There, I'm excited to see that. And uh, and Chris Dunn, uh, he's a special player. You know, he can fill the stat sheet. Great defender. I think he's underrated offensively. I think he's very good at making his teammates better. Uh, that Minnesota team is just crazy good. I can't wait to see what he does there. If you want to find Mr. Alex Kennedy on Twitter, he's on Alex Kennedy NBA. Does great work for BasketballInsiders.com. Um, always appreciate it. Hey man, uh, don't forget. Uh, don't don't think I forgot you're a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. You guys want to know now? Yes, we are one to know. We're the only uh, team in our division that's one to know. So I'm very happy right now. Um, if we continue to look like we did in Week One, I think we'll uh-huh. appreciate. Uh, people in Tampa here are very happy. You know, Jameis Winston is uh, is balling right now, so it's a good time to be a Bucks fan. <laughs> hey, man, I am, I am a, a both Minnesota Viking fan and Patriot fan, even though people hate me for that because, you know, <laughs> you, you're supposed to like one team only in, in every sport. I'm like, hey, man, I think, you're, I think you're allowed to have two, but I guess – for the fact that my number two team is the Patriots, but Vikings is my is my you know overall number one uh, pick and team. So they're one and zero now. We don't really have a quarterback. My guy Bridgewater out for the year, so yeah. um, that was a, a real tough break. But uh, congrats to to your Bucks. That, you know, let's see how far they go. Same thing, same thing with my Vikings. But always great having you on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Hey everyone, this is Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, and one of the co-hosts of This Week in Marvel podcast. You're listening to the Cruise Control Podcast with Randy Cruz.
And I'm now joined by Mr. Jimmy Burke. He's on Twitter at KWAPT. He is a contributor to RedsArmy.com. Jay, what's up, my man? How you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Good that we were finally able to connect. It's been a while since uh, since I chopped it up with you guys. But always a pleasure uh, to join you, Ray. Yeah, man. Uh, man, you have not been on here in quite some time. A whole NBA season went by. Um, yeah. Me being a Knicks fan, you being a Celtic fan, a lot of things have uh, have happened in the world of the NBA. So I know we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to that. So uh, again, Jimmy Burke at KWAPT, contributor to RedsArmy.com. So let's get right to it, Jamie. Um, matter of fact, I'll hit you with the football question first. A lot, a lot of people was talking about, you know. Tom Brady getting uh, suspended the first four games. They're now 1-0. Jimmy Garoppolo with the victory over the Arizona Cardinals. What's the what's the feeling like up there in New England? Uh, people people were ecstatic. It, it was just fantastic. It was a big, you know, middle finger to Roger Goodell uh, and the NFL. And, of course, you know, myself included, no, nobody expected the the Patriots, uh, you know, to come out and, and play as well as they did and, and beat the Cardinals uh, in their own stadium. You know, not just minus Tom Brady, but, you know, they were also minus, you know, most of their offensive line. You know, Gronkowski was out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back to Jimmy Garoppolo, he did a fantastic job, and it just goes to show, you know, he's, he's fortunate enough to be behind arguably the greatest quarterback of all time and, and to have learned from Tom Brady over the past few years. And then, of course, the, the top also have to go out to the genius, you know, Bill Belichick. Uh, he went into that game uh, with his offensive defensive coordinators, had a great game plan, um, and they just went out and got the job done. Uh, but, yeah, going back to your question, people were just extremely happy, just a great way to start the season. A lot of people you know, penciled us in to be 0-4 and, and, and to get a win like that on the road against one of the best teams in the NFC uh, was fantastic. Yeah, man, like I said, you guys are 1-0. and uh, My team, you know, one of my two teams, and I'll explain in a second, is the Minnesota Vikings. I know they don't have Bridgewater for the whole season, but they still win. They go 1-0. and um, I get a lot of flag uh, down here, Jamie, where – you know, people can say, you know, what's your favorite uh, NBA team? What's your favorite NFL team? Are you allowed to have one, I mean, on two two teams to be your favorite? So when, when people ask me, what are your two, uh, what are your, your NFL favorite team? I'm saying, well, one, I got two. And automatically they tell me, you know, that, that that's bullshit. But uh, <laughs> they t- and I say, well, the Vikings and the Patriots and me living in New York, they tell me, you know, how can you be a Patriot fan living in New York? And I'm like, well, the Giants and Jets just don't have Tom Brady. Right. <laughs> Plain and simple. Right. <laughs> yeah, equation. And, yeah. And, and I was telling I was telling John that last week. And I'm like, hey, man, if if, if the Giants had Tom or the Jets had Tom, they'll probably be winning some Super Bowls and stuff like that. But I think, uh, you know, I guess every fan can choose whether they have one or two favorite teams. Uh, me, with the, with the NFL only, I will, go with, I will go with the Vikings and Patriots. But like I said, you guys are undefeated. So am I uh, with my Vikings. So we'll see what happens in week two. 
Um, you're also a Red Sox fan. I, I, I do. I don't watch a whole lot of baseball. I, I'll be very truthful about that, but um, I do also get flack for somewhat liking the Red Sox around here. I, I, I'm not a big Met fan or Yankee fan, so I know that the, the Red Sox are doing well right now. So keep me up to date on what's going on with the Red Sox. Are they in, in the wild card race? Are, are they at the top of the division? What's going on? Yeah, well, currently they're at the top of the AL East. They're nice. as we speak. They're two games up on Toronto, who won last night. Um, and yeah, it, it was a rocky first few months of the season for the Red Sox. It was up and down. They had some serious, serious issues uh, in their bullpen, um, some injury problems. Uh, but they really, really started to to peak uh, just at the right time. You know, David Price. You know, he just had the weight of the weight of the world on his shoulders. You know, here in Boston, just like you, New York fans, you know, you expect a championship every year. Anything less than a championship is complete failure. And Price was brought in here. He was paid a boatload of money uh, to come in, and, and he he wasn't up to par. Uh, beginning of the season, up to the All Star break, even a little after, he was not up to par. People were complaining, and Price has just been phenomenal um, over the course of his last uh, five or six starts. Roughly, uh, last night he, he pitched eight innings, uh, only gave up two hits, two runs, um, you know, got the Red Sox to win. And, of course, Poppy is, is big Poppy is in his last season here, and, and that's been magical. You know, every night that Ortiz goes out there, uh, you know, he's just getting just so much love from the fans on the road, even at home. But, yeah, right now the Sox are sitting pretty. They're at two games uh, ahead in the AL East lead. They're about to get one of their – uh, great young players, Andrew Benatendi back. He's been injured, um, and so yeah, they're just things are really starting to click for them. Uh, it's going to be an interesting last few weeks. We're, we're playing the Yankees uh, two more times. We've also we're in the middle of a series with Baltimore right now, and then the the last three games of the year are against the Toronto Blue Jays. So it could come down to the last three games of the season. The season wins the division. So real exciting time for Red Sox fans right now. So, what's the likelihood that the Red Sox could win the World Series in David Ortiz's final year? I tell you, you, you definitely have to consider them uh, a serious threat to win the World Series. If there's, if you ask Red Sox fans what their two major concerns would be with the Sox going into the postseason, one obviously is going to be the pitching, mostly the the bullpen, uh, and also uh, as far as hitting goes, um, you know, they can go out any in the night, like last night was a perfect example, and put up 9, 10, 11, 12 runs. Uh, but they've, they've also had periods where they've left a ton of runners on base. Um, they've had trouble, uh, you know, at the plate. Uh, but I, I would say the Sox are, are just, uh, you know, just as good as any of the other teams that are going into the postseason. Uh, with the exception of, um, you know, that bullpen. They've got uh, Koji Bihar, uh, who is also back now. He just came back from injury. He's been looking good so far. So that's been a boost to their bullpen. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting, like I said, going into the postseason. They, they definitely do have a chance to help Ortiz go out on top, and that would just be that would be like a, a movie. <laughs> if he could go out and, win a, you know, win another championship in his final year, that, that would just be awesome. We spoke about the Patriots. We spoke about the Red Sox. Now let's get let's get down to business, Jamie. 
Boston Celtics. Yeah. You guys had a great year last year. Uh, fifth seed in the playoffs. You lose to Atlanta in round one. You do get one of their big stars to your roster now in Al, in Al Horford. Uh, I know you guys were trying to get Kevin Love and Jimmy Butler and DeMarcus Cousins, and nobody panned out, but Al Horford is on board with the Celtics. Um, what was your thought process about that move of, of Al Horford becoming a Celtic, and how does that move propel you in the Eastern Conference to not only be to try to get above the fifth seed this season? Yeah, bringing, bringing in Horford was just fantastic. And before I get into that real quick, I'll just mention, you know, of course, you know, fans were drooling uh, when it was announced that the Celtics were going to get a face-to-face meeting, you know, with Kevin Durant as well, and, and that didn't pan out. And I tell you, if we would have got shot down by Durant and Horford, that just would have been horrible. But getting Horford, you know, was by no means a consolation prize. You know, you're bringing in a guy who is going to help in, in, in all facets. He's going to help, obviously, in rebounding, which has been a huge problem, a huge complaint amongst fans, too, over the you know past few seasons, you know, rebounding. He's going to bring in some serious rebounding help. He's a guy uh, that's got tons of, of playoff experience. Um, he's a good locker room guy. You know, never any off-the-court problems. He has a good attitude. He wants to win. And not only on the court, also off the court, bringing in Horford, it's going to also make things enticing, you know, for other big-name free agents, you know, going into the next couple of seasons. So, yeah, people were just really, really happy uh, when Horford signed here with the Celtics. He he seemed genuinely thrilled to be here. Um, Him and his family just seemed like great people, and uh, I'm really looking forward to see. Uh, you know, what kind of numbers he's going to put up and how he's going to mesh with the rest of the team this season. To me, I, I like the move. I mean, regardless of whether you could have gotten Cousins, Kevin Love, Jimmy Butler, I, I you know, from standing from afar, we knew Boston was very, you know, wanting to be active in, in, in free agency, uh, trying to trade up in the draft, uh, trade draft picks, um Try to get a big time free agent, and to me, they did. They they do get a multiple time All Star, a guy five, um, that can shoot, that can rebound, that can pass. Um, not a guy that 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 needs the ball or demands the ball um, all the time. He's not a twenty five point per game scorer, but a guy that can um, can maybe maybe be a go to big man um, down the stretch. And now he's t- um, a teammate of Isaiah Thomas, a a a different guy to me last year where he became an all-star I think really you know I I would say outside of Boston shocked shocked a lot of people of, of becoming an all-star and the kind of season he was having for the Celtics um what do you expect from Isaiah Thomas this season knowing that he was an all-star last year does he stay the same do you think he'll even uh have a better year now playing without Horford and, and the whole the whole expectations are, are, are running rampant for Boston. So what do you expect from Isaiah Thomas this season? Yeah, I, I really think that IT uh, is going to flourish this year. I think he's going to have uh, what could be a, a career season. Um, you know, last season, um, he, he wanted to, to beat the Hawks, you know, so badly. He, I think if, if pick one guy from that team who was most crushed by, you know, like getting knocked out in the first round, 
Uh, I think it was Tom. He took it really personally, and I think he, he wants to prove, you know, not only to himself and to the league, but to his teammates and to the Celtics organization that, that he is a good leader, um, that he is someone that, you know, this team of, of young guys can look up to. And I think now bringing Horford in is going to, you know, take a good amount of the pressure off of IT. He's going to have another guy that he knows can go out there and get 15, you know, 16 points a night. He's going to be under the glass uh, rebounding. Um, it seems like they already get along, you know, pretty well. And, and they both basically have the same mindset. You know, it's, it's, they want to bring another banner to Boston. They want to, you know, get back to those glory days, the days of, you know, Bird, DJ, Angie, Paris, and then after them, of course, you know, Paul Pierce. Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, um, and, and those guys want that for themselves. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch. I really think Thomas is going to have a great, great season. I mean, did, did, did you know, tell me, did, did many fans really feel like, you know, once they got out of the whole Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Doc Rivers days, that it was going to take a, a kind of long while to rebuild? Because if you look at it, we're only, what, two, three years removed from those guys being on the roster. And I think you guys have done a great job in, you know, just uh, showing the fans that we're not going to, you know, try to rebuild this in five, ten years. Like, we, want to, we want to win now. We want to compete now. Are you shocked, uh, are you shocked of, of how Danny Ainge has quickly turned around this roster, even though he does not have those Hall of Famers on the roster no more? Right. Yeah, I think um, a big part of – what Ainge is doing and what he started to do when you saw that nucleus of Alan Pierce and Garnett leave was uh, by bringing in Brad Stevens. You know, the, when it was first announced, of course, a lot of people, you know, were like, who the heck is Brad Stevens, you know? And um, that was that was kind of the beginning of, of rebuilding. And when we brought in Stevens, uh, I think that was, that was huge, uh, very important to get a coach who, who knows what he's doing, who the guys are going to, buy into his system and, and who's going to be get respect and give respect. And I think over the last couple of years, um, and you're right, it's been three years uh, since those guys left. Uh, I think if we, like I said, if we wouldn't have got Horford this offseason, uh, I think fans would have probably, you know, started uh, showing up at Angel's window at night and throwing rocks at it because people people were getting a little bit antsy, you know, he, you know, with respect you know, the owner made that, you know, classic comment a couple of years back about, you know, there's going to be fireworks and there was no fireworks at all, not even a firecracker. And so I think fans were really chomping at the bit this summer and, and bringing in Horford um, and bringing in some other smaller pieces, you know, and Gerald Green, who's the guy that Celtics uh, are bringing back. Um, I think that people are, are pretty confident now uh, just seeing uh, that Ainge brought in Horford and, and Jalen Brown, uh, at first, this was another kind of situation where a lot of people, when, he, when they announced Jalen Brown's name, some people booed, some people had no idea who he was, but that was his team, his ability to get to the free throw line in summer league and how aggressive he is and just how, just how smart and how much of a good kid he really seems to be. Um, I think all is well again in, in Celtics land for now, but like I said, you know, we're, we're itching for a title. People really want to see this team go a lot farther than the first round this year. People are, are talking, you know, Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and, and we'll see what happens. We'll see how it goes. 
you guys did lose Evan Turner in the uh, offseason. He he does go to Portland. Does that move hurt you guys in, in any way? I tell you, Turner, was, uh, Turner had, with the fans anyways, I could say, he had kind of a love-hate relationship. Um, I, I think a lot of that changed toward the end of last season. Um, he was a guy that he, he would have nights where he would just turn the ball over, you know, quite a bit. He, some fans, you know, gave him the nickname Evan Turnover <laughs> at one point. Um, but he really was an integral part of this team, you know, uh, obviously coming off the bench. Um, and there were a lot of games uh, last season that were won, you know, thanks to Evan Turner. And, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to miss him. Um, you know, Gerald Green is, is going to be a good piece coming off the bench, too. But, you know, he's a, he's a different type of guy. He's just uh, basically a guy who's going to try to get to the rim. Uh, where Turner, you pretty much got a little bit of everything. He could get into the paint and score for you. He was a good distributor. Uh, he could even rebound. Um, and another guy who I don't know how much of the summer league you got to see, but another guy who fans are really excited about, it's going to be his second year, is Terry Rozier. Uh, Rozier had just a fantastic summer league. Uh, he just looks to be in tip-top shape. Um, and he was you know, scoring it well. He's already a proven rebounder as a guard. Um, so I think when you, you know, kind of combine uh, Rogier and now Gerald Green into the picture, uh, that's going to pick up some of the slack that we're going to lose off the bench uh, with Turner going out to Portland. Now, I think you touched on it earlier about the uh, the whole expectations of Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you guys made the playoffs last year, fifth seed, like you like we mentioned earlier, lost in, uh, in six games to Atlanta. Now. Getting Horford and Brad Stevens is getting better at the head coach, and Isaiah Thomas is a budding all-star. You got to tell me, what are the expectations like for this year? Are, are people saying, well, we got to make it to the second round? Or are they in that mode where they say that the Celtics can be the only team or, or one of two teams that can compete with the defending champions, Cleveland Cavaliers. Are we at, at that level right now where it's Cleveland and then maybe Toronto and Boston? Or is Boston at the level where if anybody, if, if, if there's a team that can take down the Cavaliers or present a, a challenge to the Cavaliers, it's the Boston Celtics. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think with the addition uh, of Horford now and the younger guys – you know, Marcus Smart, uh, Terry Rozier, who I mentioned, uh, Jalen Brown, who looks like he's going to be uh, a very good player, if not a great player. Uh, Isaiah Thomas coming back off of an all-star season. Um, and you're also going to have Avery Bradley, who who was uh, – it was so hard to lose him last year. Uh, if we would have had Bradley in the playoffs against the Hawks, you know, who knows if that series, you know, doesn't go six or seven games or we even win it. So, yeah, I think heading into this season, uh, other than the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, I think the Celtics can run with anybody in the Eastern Conference. And if they stay healthy, the Bucks are going to be key, um, as it always is every year in the NBA. If they can stay healthy, and if Horford, you know, meshes as well as you think he's going to and, and contributes like he did in Atlanta, yeah, I don't see any reason why the Celtics um, could not compete with anybody um, in the Eastern Conference. Now, 
speaking of the Eastern Conference, and you know, before before I let you go, a lot of teams have made improvements. Uh, Indiana getting um, Jeff Teague out, Jefferson uh, Thaddeus Young from Brooklyn. Uh, let me see. Of course, the New York Knicks were getting Noah and Derrick Rose, Brandon Jennings, Courtney Lee. I'm trying to figure out the Cavaliers. They didn't really get uh, sign anybody. You got with a uh, Al Horford, Toronto. I think they stayed put. Um, they did lose uh, Biombo in the uh, off season. I'm trying to think of um, some other teams that really made a splash. But I think to me the Eastern Conference can be very competitive. Um, some teams may not make it from 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 this year. Also, Chicago getting Dwayne Wade and Miami losing uh, D Wade and, and Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson now goes to Utah. So a lot of teams have different rosters uh, this season. So what is your take on not only, you know, putting Boston to the side, but what is your um, thoughts on what the other Eastern Conference teams did this offseason? Yeah, I tell you, it was a, a crazy, crazy offseason uh, for the Eastern Conference. And, you know, just as a fan, I'm really looking, I'm really looking forward uh, to some of those uh, Knicks Bulls games because now you've got you know as you mentioned the Knicks brought in uh, not only Courtney Lee, uh, Derek Rose, uh, Joe Kim Noah, um, and you know Dwayne Wade going back to his hometown of Chicago. The Bulls also picked up you know Rajon Rondo. Um, right. You know those Knicks Bulls games uh, are going to be extremely extremely fun to watch and. You know, who knows? You know, people, of course, you know, made the joke that the Knicks now have a championship team if it was, you know, 2001 or 2002. But, you know, Bill Jackson, you know, went out and, and signed some big names. And, um, you know, most notably, in Joe Kim Noah. So it's, it's definitely going to be, if nothing else, it's going to be entertaining. Um, I think Chicago definitely is going to be a force to be reckoned with. You know, as long as uh, you know, Rajon Rondo keeps his head about him, and and they have Jimmy Butler now. Uh, they have Dwayne Wade, and uh, I think Chicago, as usual, is going to be a team that's you know going to be in the playoffs. Losing Noah um, obviously is going to hurt them, but you know they, they brought in Robin Lopez, who's definitely no joking Noah. Um, but, yeah, the Eastern Conference is going to be really, really fun to watch this year. Um, I don't know what's going to go on down in Orlando because uh, it just seems like – it seemed like Orlando was kind of building this, you know, team for the future, uh, you know, kind of like the Celtics. It looked like they were really starting to do something down there and get some, uh, you know, good players. Uh, they did bring in Serge Ibaka, but they – uh, they lost uh, Old Depot, um, which I think was, you know, easily their best player. They they did bring in Bismack the Yumbo, but like I said, the, the the deck has been shuffled in the East, my friend, and um, you're gonna have to really <laughs> you have to really uh, keep track of, you know, who's who. There was so much player movement, um, but I I'm really looking forward to the season. I, I think uh, the East is going to be competitive again. Uh, the Celtics are going to be right in the thick of it. Um, and I can't wait. It's uh, I think about 12 or 13 days before training camp starts and about four weeks until the season starts. So um, very excited. 
Definitely, man. I, I think it should be a fun, exciting season. Uh, I know uh, every time the NBA starts up, me and you go back and forth with Boston, New York, and you, you know we we even got that game on Christmas. So I, I was talking to John about it last week, and I'm like, hey, man, who do you got? Like, you know, it was probably a stupid question because I know I know who he'll root for, but I'm like, you know, it's Christmas, it's in the Garden, uh, both teams by that time, uh, hopefully. Um, they're doing good. And, and one thing I told them, like, the NBA only gets better when you have teams like the Lakers and the Knicks and hopefully one day Philadelphia are, are, are all at the top of their game to go along with Boston, Chicago, uh, stuff like that. So um, my team, man, I, I you know, before I let you go, my team, I think they, you know, down here, you know, people could say, well, you, you know, you got Derrick Rose, he's a – 2011 MVP can't stay can't stay healthy. Joe Kim Noah's can't stay healthy. Uh, Jennings goes from one team to another, and maybe Courtney Lee is the best guy you got. And I'm like, hey, you know, listen, you know, from what we had last year to what we have this year on paper, it it, it looks it, it looks good. I, I won't say great, but right. it looks good. So all we have to do is wait to see how they play together on the floor. And plus, you have Melo, you got Porzingis, and I think I think they'll make the playoffs if they're all healthy and Derrick Rose is the key to all of that. And you know, with the whole thing yeah. with, with the with the trial case, him being healthy, can he play 60, 65, 70 games? I think that'll be a major plus for us. And if everybody remains healthy and if they win the games they're supposed to win, like against you guys on Christmas, <laughs> then 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 we'll be fine. But yeah, and plus and plus the fact that we do have we do have a new coach in Jeff Hornacek. So I mean, it, you know, there's, there's there's plenty to say the Knicks won't do well or the Knicks will make the playoffs, but they'll be out you know as the AFC. But I think if everything goes well, Jeremy, they can be at least five. Uh, I don't think Miami will will be in the mix. Um, I'm back no. and forth with Charlotte. Uh, they, they, they did lose Lynn, Courtney Lee, Al Jefferson, so it's kind of tough to put them back in the race. Um, yeah. does, does does Milwaukee get in? Does Washington get in? It's, it's going to be very interesting, but if the Knicks can get in as a, as a top five, top six, then I'm good. But then some fans are like, well, th- that's not good enough. Phil Jackson has to build a roster where you can get a top four home court advantage, see second, second, uh, second round playoffs, and then go from there. But I'm like, you know, I, I know it's one step at a time, but maybe people are losing patience because of, of Melo's prime years and whatever. But you do have that seven-foot guy, Porzingis, who's going to be the future of the Knicks. So if Melo does not yeah. get it done, you still have plenty of years with Porzingis. Yeah, and real quick, going back to Porzingis, I think uh, Joe Kim Noah coming in is, is just going to be great for Porzingis. He's going to have a chance you know, to learn just so much from Joe Kim Noah, and, and I, I can immediately see Noah uh, kind of taking him under his wing, and um, you know, that's going to be really, really beneficial for Porzingis, I think. Definitely, man. I'm looking forward to year two with him and with this whole roster. And people could say, well, getting Noah and, and everybody else could, could stunt the growth of Porzingis. I don't think so, man. I think I think he'll he'll play well. He'll be fine. New head coach in Jeff Wilsack. Uh no more no more no more Kurt Rambis on our sideline. So that's that that's always a plus. But um 
I know me and you'll be watching the NBA season um, in full. Good luck to your Patriots, Red Sox, Celtics. We'll see how they how they pan out this season. And um, again, you're Jamie Burke on Twitter at KWAPT. I, t- t- you know, to this day, I have no idea what KWAPT means, but if that's your Twitter handle, then then then, then good for you, bro. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll go over that the next show. <laughs> That'll be a story for next show. Absolutely, man. You're also a contributor to Reds. Army.com. So if you are a Boston Celtic fan, check out the work Jamie Burke and John Corrales do for RedsArmy.com. Jamie, always appreciate it, man. Thank you. My pleasure, man. And uh, maybe I'll see you uh, come Christmas time. I might make a trip down there for that Knicks Boston game. So we'll see. Dude, those tickets prices, man. Oh my God. Even you know, even non-Christmas, we we could talk about Memphis Grizzlies February 9th at the garden is like a buck 80 to go all the way up top with $25 hot dogs and $14 waters, man. I'm good at home. I'm good at home. <laughs> it's crazy. That, but that might be my Christmas present for myself. <laughs> <laughs> and if you go to man, if you go to the garden, man, enjoy it. Uh, hopefully we'll catch up soon. Jimmy Burke. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care. All right, man. You too.